Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. And good morning, everyone. Great to be in church with you this morning. I'm Michael, one of the pastors here at Salt Church. I hope you're going well in lockdown. Uh, It looks like we're in for a long haul. Uh, but hasn't been great. This week, the Olympics has started. Uh, it's given us something to look at on TV. Um, I've actually been at the staff summit, uh, not away. Uh, we, we planned to be in Gerringong, but online on Zoom with the pastoral staff. That was, uh, that was a challenge, but I'm looking forward to sharing some of the plans, some of the things I think God's got in store for us here at Salt at Grow next Friday night, uh, 7 p.m. Tune in online. I look forward to seeing you there. But Let's turn our attention now here to Acts chapter 2, and here's something I reckon we are made for. Here's something that's incredibly vital to us as human beings, something that every human being longs for, and that is community, a community of love, a community where you'll be loved and you'll have opportunity to love other people, a secure and safe community. As you think about that, why wouldn't you, be want, why wouldn't you want to be part of that? I, I reckon there's something within us, created in us, that we want to be part of that. Uh, I reckon we look for it in all kinds of ways. Uh, God's given it to us uh, in families, in, in friendship groups, in marriage, uh, but we're not always great at it. In fact, we don't do that well. In our culture, we actually tend, we do lots of things that move us away from community, Uh, that isolate ourselves from others. Uh, In our culture, we're not doing so well with community. Even without lockdowns, uh, we can do some unhelpful things that isolate us from other people. Uh, Yeah, we connect online, don't we? There's a big online community. That's been happening for years, but we don't always do that in healthy ways. Uh, We don't know our neighbours as well as we should. Some of us don't know our neighbours at all. Uh, in our part of the world, we are so wealthy, we can live very independently uh, in our own homes, in our own castles, if you like, without much concern for other people. You know, the result is that social scientists say that the new epidemic is loneliness, that we are increasingly moving towards being a lonely population. You know, more Aussies living on their own, more sorry, less people living per household, more people living for themselves. And it's not good for us. And I want to say, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is not you. You were created for community. And you were made, you, God has saved you into a new community. You know, I, I really worry for you as your pastor. If you're a follower of Jesus... And you don't love and lean into God's community for you. Now, I'm not talking about uh, a particular personality. Some of us are extroverts. Some of us love people. God's made us all differently. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about leaning into, appreciating, taking your part in God's special community, his church. Now, I reckon uh, if you're not missing that at this point, as we lock down, if you're not finding ways to create that community in the situation we've got, uh, 
there's a problem uh, as, a, as a follower of Jesus because God has a massive, massive heart for community. He's gone to great lengths to include us in his community. Just think about that uh, for a moment uh, with me. God is community, isn't he? From all time, into, back into eternity, God is Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Uh, God made community right from the beginning. Uh, not just Adam in the garden, but Adam and Eve together as community in the garden. God is the God who promised to Abraham a massive community, a massive family, a massive nation of people loving one another and loving him. He's the God who said, I will build my church, not a, not a temple, not a building, but a people that he will live with for all eternity. And he said, the gates of hell will not overcome it. And he's the God who's given us this picture of a massive community of people from every tribe, language and tongue in the last book of the Bible that will live with him forever as he dwells within us. God loves community. If you don't love community, you've got a, you've got a problem as a follower of Jesus. And Acts chapter 2 is the beginning of a new spirit-filled community. It's a very exciting community. In fact, uh, today, as you tune in, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you uh, to become part of this community, to actually make your peace with the leader of this community, Jesus. And I want to also do another thing. I want to invite you to the community that Jesus has created here at Salt. Now, I'm sorry that that's online at the moment, uh, so we want to invite you to keep tuning in online here at Salt. But as, we, as restrictions ease, uh, as the lockdown finishes, and let's pray that's sooner than later, but we don't know how long that'll take, I want to invite you to come and experience uh, the loving community that Jesus has created here at Salt uh, with the followers of Jesus. Now, this spirit-filled community here in Acts chapter 2 starts with an extraordinary event. It's the pouring out of God's Spirit uh, Acts chapter 2 is a historic moment in the unfolding plans of God. It's a groundbreaking moment in the unstoppable movement of, of God's plans. He's making his spirit-filled community as his spirit gets poured out. Uh, what's about to happen? God is about to personally dwell within people. Uh, God is about to draw people together to love and serve one another and love and serve him and I want you to see today that on this day, on the day of Pentecost at the end of a Jewish festival, so many Old Testament hopes and dreams and promises were fulfilled. Um, we don't have time to look at them all, but let me give you some of those that you can chase down later. Ezekiel chapter 36, the, the valley of the dry bones. God said, his spirit will come and remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. You will want to love and obey God because God's spirit will come upon you. That's the promise. Jeremiah 31, 31, God says, The days are coming Well, I will write my law on your heart, not on tablets, stone tablets, but on you, my people. Isaiah chapter 11 a son of David is coming, 
who will have the Spirit upon him. Isaiah 42, this spirit servant is a king who will suffer and pour out his spirit on a new community. And we heard Joel chapter 2, the passage that uh, Peter quotes here in Acts 2. There is coming a day where God says, I will pour out my spirit, not just on kings, not just on prophets, but I will pour out my spirit on all people from the least to the greatest, from the old to the young, both men and women. That day has come. That's what's going on here in Acts chapter 2. Remember, uh, it was Jesus who said in, in, in the Gospels, in Luke, uh, the Spirit of God has come upon me. See, who is Jesus? Jesus is that suffering servant, that spirit-filled king spoken of in Isaiah. And now he is pouring out his spirit after his death and resurrection, just as he promised. We were reminded of this last week in in Acts chapter 1, weren't we? Jesus said to his disciples, wait here in Jerusalem for the next step of my unstoppable plans. You will receive power when my spirit comes upon you in a a few days. That day has arrived. I remember Jesus said, uh, John baptised you with water, I will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. This is the moment. This is a huge moment in history. Uh, It's no wonder this moment is accompanied by signs and wonders, by miraculous things happening. Uh, God is shining a huge spotlight on this point in history to show us how momentous it is. Have a look at it with me. Acts chapter 2, verse 2, we see a sound like the blowing of a violent wind uh, if you're here in Wollongong uh, today, you don't need to imagine what that would be like, I don't think. It, we've had massively strong winds, violent winds, uprooting, unsettling, uh, shaking the foundations kind of winds. That's the kind of wind that's swept through. That's the work of the Spirit. Uh, verse 3, tongues of fire rest on each of the disciples. And verse 4, what's the result? The believers are filled with the Spirit, And they begin to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And notice, they're not babbling. It's not an unintelligible language. It's actually a very understandable language. That's the point. See, what's happened? People from all the regions around can now hear clearly in their native language the very wonders of God. People can hear how wonderful God is and the wonderful things that he has done in their own language, completely understandable to them. What an extraordinary event. And, you know, you can tell here this is a unique event. Uh, it's, it's not the passage that you turn to to see what happens when, someone rec- when anyone receives the Spirit. Now, this is a unique event. I mean, there are other parts of the Bible that would speak to us about what happens every time someone receives the Spirit. But here is the next major event in God's unstoppable plans. And it is weird, it is, it is unique. You can, you can tell that, I think, as you put it next to the rest of the New Testament. Uh, here we've got, uh, be- we've got believers, we've got followers of the Lord Jesus who don't have the Spirit, but they are followers of Jesus who then received the Spirit. Uh, 
that's not the norm after the apostles' ministry. That's not the, the norm for the rest of the New Testament. That's not the norm for us. Uh, the rest of the New Testament says if you don't have the Spirit, you don't belong to God. You're not a follower of Jesus. See, the norm from this point on will be that when you put your faith in Jesus, when you follow Jesus, you will receive the Spirit. In fact, Romans 8 says, if you don't have the Spirit, you don't know God. It is only by the Spirit that you can call God your Father. That is, that is what it means to be Christian, to be a follower of Jesus. But here, they were followers of Jesus, and then they received the Spirit. It is weird, it is different. And what is God doing? He's putting this huge spotlight on a massive event in history. Verse 14, Peter explains what's going on. Have a look at it with me. He says, these guys aren't drunk, as you might think is the case. No, what does Peter do? He explains this extraordinary event with Scripture. He turns them back to the Old Testament. He turns them back to Joel and, and explains to them, well, it's not just kings and prophets that will receive the Spirit anymore. Now all people, men and women great and small, old and young, will receive the Spirit. In fact, verse 21, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's amazing. Everyone and anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That, that gets me every time. This is the beginning of a new age. God's grace, God's kindness, forgiveness of sins is being poured out as the Spirit is poured out. This is incredibly good news. Can you see what's happened? Jesus has paid for the sins of the world. Jesus has died. Jesus has risen. He's conquered death. Sin has been done away with. Now his Spirit has been poured out and people can be forgiven by God. That's what the rest of Peter's address is about. The very, what does Peter say? The very Jesus who you crucified, that Jesus, God has raised from the dead. He's the Messiah. He's the one who now sits at the right hand of the Father and rules. He's the one spoken of in the Psalms. Uh, the Psalms spoke of a son of David will come who will never die. Uh, he will be exalted and his kingdom will last forever. Jesus is that person. That's what Peter's saying in his speech. Verse 33, he says, Jesus is now exalted at God's right hand. Jesus now pours out his spirit. That's what you've just seen. You've just witnessed that. What a massive event in human history, in God's plans. And it's summed up for us in verse 36. Have a look with me. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, Lord and Messiah. Well, they say, what should we do? That's a great question, isn't it? What should we do now that Jesus has risen and his spirit is being poured out. Verse 38 tells us, Peter says, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And what will happen? You will receive, 
you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. There's that beautiful promise again. That if you turn, that's what it means to repent, to turn to Jesus, to turn to God and seek him, ask him to forgive you, he will forgive you. Your sins will be forgiven. You'll receive the Holy Spirit. God will come and dwell with you. That is a promise for you and your children for generations and generations and generations to come. Well, I wonder, as you hear that promise, have you done that yourself? Have you turned to Jesus? Have you been forgiven? Can I encourage you, as we come to this part of the Bible and reflect on these things, uh, that you reflect on yourself? Uh, Today, come to Jesus. Ask him to forgive you. Receive the Spirit um, that God might dwell with you. Uh, Do that today. But you know, it even gets better. This uh, God who saves, who forgives, who's risen Jesus, who pours out his spirit, uh, is the God who creates a new community of spirit-filled believers. Uh, What we've got here in the last uh, part of chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, have a look at it with me now, is a snapshot of the first gathering of God's people, the spirit-filled community uh, of believers. Here is the church, uh, and I want, I want you to see how, how, how good uh, this community is. Now, if you've been around church for a while, you might not think that church is that big a deal. Uh, in fact, you might think, oh, church feels hard, feels difficult at times. But I want you to see church is a very, very, very big deal. It is an extraordinary gathering of people. It is a miracle. See, what have we got here at the end of chapter 2? We've got people completely transformed by Jesus. We've got a community now forgiven, free, secure, gathered by God, loving one another and being loved by God. This is an enlivening community. This is an enriching community This is an empowered group of people testifying to the Lord Jesus. This is the community you get when Jesus pours out his spirit. Uh, This is the community you get when Jesus fulfills all the hopes and dreams and promises of the Old Testament. There is no other gathering on the face of the earth like this gathering. It's incredible. Now, it's easy to lose sight, as I said, of how radical this community is, but it is even radically different to the gathered people of God in the Old Testament. Uh, It's certainly radically different from any other religious group in the world. Uh, This community, notice, has no temple. Uh, That is different to the Old Testament. That is different to every other religious group in the world. They gather in the temple courts. Later on, they gather in homes because the temple is the people. Uh, Remember, Jesus said, I am the new temple. He's the new temple. Uh, God will dwell with his people. That is the temple. And notice here, there's no priests because Jesus is the priest. Jesus is the one through whom they will have access 
to the God of the universe, their father. And notice here there are no sacrifices in this gathering because Jesus has sacrificed for them already. See, every other religion, every other religious community, there are temples, there are priests, there are rituals, there are sacrifices, there are holy places, there are pilgrimages. This is a radically unique gathering. This is a spirit-filled community. Uh, This is not a group of people that need to earn their place in the community. Jesus has earned it for them. Jesus has done it for them. Jesus has created this gathering. We'll have a look at the details with me. Look at verse 42. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Christianity is a teaching faith. Uh, The apostles' message was taught and learnt. God taught the community through the apostles. The apostles taught, the disciples of Jesus, the followers of Jesus, learnt the teaching of the apostles. Uh, This kind of character of teaching and learning in God's community is a characteristic of the New Testament church. Uh, 1 Timothy 2 says, to be saved is to come to a knowledge, to know the truth. To know the truth is to be saved. Uh, Remember, it was Jesus who said, the truth will set you free. Uh, It's the truth in light of Satan's lies that enlivens this community. Uh, This is the community that is taught. Uh, This is the community that learns. They're committed to the apostles' teaching. Notice also they're devoted to fellowship. Uh, They're devoted to the breaking of bread and prayer. Uh, They are a group that are united as a community. Uh, They are in partnership in the gospel. That's what fellowship means in the New Testament. Uh, They're on about the same thing. They're on about Jesus. And they're filled with awe at the miracles of the apostles. Why why is that? Why is that going on in their community? Well, they're living in the age of the apostles, remember? We saw that last week. And the mark of the apostle is signs and wonders and miracles. That's the time in which they're living. Um, they, will, they were in awe at the great things that the apostles were, do- were doing. And they were a community of immense generosity. Have a look at that. They held loosely to their possessions in order to share them with one another. They, their generosity spilled out into the community to those who were in need. They sold property and possessions Uh, I think that would have been radical then. I think that's radical today. They praised God and they enjoyed the favour of all people. This is a radical community. Uh, don't, Don't lose sight of how radical it is, how radical even our community here today at Salt is. A group of people loved by God that Jesus has made. A group devoted to the teaching of the apostles, a group of generosity. And I hope you're challenged as you hear this description of church that Jesus has made to lean into this community, uh, to contribute to this community, to shape this community uh, so that it pleases the Lord Jesus. 
And as you do that, as we praise God for that church that he's made, that he's made even here at Salt, um, and feel the challenge to be part of it, I want you just, I don't want you to romanticise about Acts chapter 2. Uh, Acts chapter, the Acts chapter 2 church wasn't perfect. Uh, we're not told everything that went on at this point. This is a snapshot of, of, of the new gathering. I don't want you to think that somehow Luke describes for us a small church that had no issues. It's actually a very large church. It's already 3,000 people strong. Uh, I assume they met in the temple courts because that was the only place big enough for them to gather. Um, And they met in homes uh, later on, lots of homes, which tells us not everyone sold their home, uh, thankfully. But it is a, a radically different community, isn't it? They might be in the honeymoon stage, um, but it is radically different. And as, as we kick into Acts, you'll see that there are issues in the church. It's not perfect. Uh, there is need to get organised uh, in, in the church as we, get, as we kick into Acts. But there's no doubt this is a radical community. So where have we come today as we've looked at Acts chapter 2? We've seen that the Spirit was promised way back in the Old Testament. Uh, Jesus has died, Jesus has risen, his spirit is now poured out. Uh, What's the response we're to have? Repent, believe and be baptised. Come to Jesus. Come into this beautiful, new, spirit-filled community. That is the result of the spirit being poured out. God's precious church. And so let me uh, draw together two things for you. Today, as we think on this, two implications I've got for you. First is, uh, get this, recognise this, the powerful work of the Spirit. Uh, We'll keep pressing into what is the work of the Spirit in Acts. We'll look at this a bit more next week. But have you you noticed this week, the work of the Spirit, well, we saw that it emboldens people to testify to Jesus. Uh, it, It causes the message of the Lord Jesus, the good news, the wonders of God to be heard to be clear, to be understandable. But have we seen, we've seen this week, it brings people into relationship with God. It calls people, he calls people to repent. He makes a new community. The Spirit is powerful. The Spirit opens up people's hearts and minds to know God himself in community. Uh, that's what... Uh, we, we see uh, in 1 Corinthians 1, the, how do you know the deep, deep things of God? Only the Spirit of God knows the, the deep, deep things of God. And God's people have the Spirit. He is dwelling in our midst so that we might know him, love and serve him and love and serve one another. The wonderful and miraculous work of the Spirit is that you know God that you love Jesus, that you're part of this community. It is, it is a miraculous work of the Spirit that you have even tuned in to be part of church, God's gathering, even if it is online today. That is a work of the Spirit. Appreciate that. But secondly, we've seen a beautiful picture of the gathering, haven't we? The Spirit-filled gathering today. Uh, the early believers who devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, that they had unity, they had a real partnership in the gospel. 
Um, they ate together, they shared life together, they prayed together, they shared, they had generosity for one another in their community. And so I want to ask you today, how are you going with that if you're a follower of Jesus? How are you going with taking up your part in God's precious community? God has gone to enormous lengths for you to be part of it here at SALT. How are you going with being part of it? And I want to give you some practicalities uh, now that we're in lockdown in a minute, but let me say something more broadly. Uh, I think it's got harder, hasn't it, to commit to the gathering in lockdown, obviously. We'll talk about that in a sec. But being committed to God's gathering here at Salt takes effort. It won't just happen. It is the work of the Spirit, but you'll need to cooperate with the Spirit as the Spirit prompts you. Uh, You'll need to be intentional. Uh, You won't always feel like coming to church, gathering with God's people. Uh, Church, if you haven't worked it out yet, is far from perfect, Uh, has far from perfect people, has people who are in progress, in fact, is full of people who are still in progress, all of us. Uh, Church is that kind of gathering where you'll need to say no to other things in order to commit to this gathering as as a priority. Uh, You won't always feel like being generous. Uh, You won't uh, always feel like you want to give things away for your brothers and sisters or or for the sake of the gospel or for those who are in need. And so I want to ask you today, how are you, go, go, how are you going at holding loosely to the things that God has given you? Are you able, by the Spirit, to give them up for those who are in need? Are you able to be sacrificial for the gospel? Are you able to give to the work of the gospel, the good news of Jesus going out to people across the Illawarra? That is a work of the Spirit. That is a, that is what it means to be part of a radically different community. And, you know, here at Salt, we talk a lot about making a flood of disciples across the Illawarra. Uh, That will be a work of the Spirit as God draws more people to become disciples. You know, that means sacrifice for us. Uh, That means giving generously from us by the Spirit. Uh, We're going to see that in just over a month's time as we send out village church to the northern suburbs uh, by the Spirit. That'll be a sacrifice that we will make. And we'll need to keep making sacrifices here at Salt as we grow uh, sacrifices uh, on our time and our resources and our gifts and our money. But it's a wonderful thing to be part of. It is a work of God's Spirit and we're part of a radical community. Uh, Just a few things as we think about gathering, committing to this beautiful, uh, radical community in lockdown. Um, I guess it's like uh, you've done from the beginning, if you've committed here at Salt, decide once to be part of God's gathering every week. Uh, Don't decide uh, on the weekend, don't decide on Saturday night, don't decide on Sunday morning, even more so now that we're locked down, that we're online, work out a time, I'm going to commit, this is my online time with my brothers and sisters where I'll hear the words of, words of God, 
where I'll sing the praises, where I'll pray. Make that time, set that online time uh, each week that you might be committed to the gathering. And of course, um, you might need to decrease some screen time at other times in the week, uh, on the weekend, so that you've got some screen time energy for the gathering. Uh, that's the kind of time we live in, that's the kind of sacrifice we'll take. I reckon it also mean uh, keeping an eye on distractions. Uh, there's so many more distractions perhaps at home than there are when you meet here at 275. Uh, where is a place, where is a time that I can focus and be part of the gathering? And maybe you need to, um, you do need to do it with others as much as you're able in your household, but if you live by yourself, maybe you need to text someone and say, let's do the gathering together, uh, let's chat after or before and after the gathering. Uh, maybe you can do that. Some, I think small groups are doing the gathering online together via Zoom. There's a whole lot of ways you can do it. Uh, if you've got kids, maybe you need to do church. I think some people are doing this in two parts. One first half for the kids, another time online as adults. Um, it'll mean new ways of thinking about distractions and focus and priority as we, as we lock down. can also just keep encouraging you to meet during the week uh, with someone who you could encourage, you could pray, and I know that needs to be via exercise, uh, but it... But, you know, we can call people, uh, we can text people uh, to pray, to encourage uh, one another uh, as, as, as followers of Jesus. And lastly, can I encourage you to keep, uh, keep at that discipline of looking into God's Word, reading God's Word for yourself and praying to God, your Heavenly Father, each week? Do you reckon you could commit to three or four times a week where you have 10 to 15 minutes with God, yourself, in the Scriptures, calling upon your Heavenly Father. Um, God has done an enormous thing for us. He has poured out His Spirit. He has gathered us as Spirit-filled believers, not to be isolated, not to be individuals, but to be His gathered community. Let's keep working hard at doing that, uh, even in a lockdown. Let's pray. Our great Heavenly Father, we thank you for this momentous time in history that we've looked at in Acts chapter 2, uh, the fulfilment of so many Old Testament hopes and dreams and promises, the pouring out of your Spirit. Father, we thank you that in the pouring out of your Spirit, uh, after the, the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus, you are drawing people to yourself. Uh, the invitation to be forgiven, uh, to come into community with you and your people is there. Father, we pray that we take this opportunity, we take this ourselves, but we'd also uh, bring this message out to the Illawarra. Here, Father, we've heard the beautiful gospel that all who call upon your name will be saved. Father, may that message ring out from us. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Thanks so much, Michael. Man, sometimes it's so easy to let these, I guess, simple truths of what the Bible has to teach just kind of wash over.